Well, good morning, everybody. Such an awesome Mother's Day. And just want to let you know that if you don't know me, I am Dave Hill, and I am the care pastor here. Also, the adult class called Bearing Fruit that I share with my wife, Rosie, and my stepson, Brian Johnson, that you saw up here, and his wife, Jennifer. So today, we're going to honor uh, mothers living and those who have passed. You're probably wondering, like, why is he wearing a, a boutonniere up there? Well, uh, my wife and I grew up in churches, and some of you probably did too, where on Mother's Day, you wear a boutonniere or a corsage. And the white color signifies that your mother has passed. And if you wear a red one, it signifies that your mother's still living. I don't know if I'm trying to start something, but maybe next year. You know, you guys and ladies, you know, buy your mom a corsage, husbands, get your wife a nice, beautiful corsage to wear on Mother's Day. And so let me get started with a word of prayer and we'll get into our message. Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful day, Mother's Day. Uh, thank you so much for those who have come out tonight, those who are watching online. Lord, uh, if it was not for mothers, we wouldn't be here. And so we thank you so much for that. Use me for your glory and honor. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. So last week, uh, Pastor Ron Griffin, he spoke on unity forever. And so we're talking about being strong together. So no, no better way than to focus on mothers. So to, my title today is Tribute to Mother, Say Her Name. Tribute to Mother, Say Her Name. Let me ask you a question. Does anybody know my mother's name besides my wife, Rosie? Probably not. Could it be that maybe possibly you don't even know your mother's name? Well, even if there have been disappointments and drama in your history, she is still your mother. You see, our God is a healing and forgiving God and wants you to be an example to the generations now and to those that will come. Mother's names are important to us. But what about those who we don't even know? So our goal today is to inspire you, to edify you, and encourage you as a mother, grandmother, or future mother. You see, all throughout the Bible, we find women who are nameless. The woman at the well in John 4. The woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5, Matthew 9. The widow who gave all she had in Mark chapter 12, just to name a few. Did that make them less important than those women who were named? No. You see, the mother of Jesus, the awesome mother who endured the shame, honored her son and felt the pain and agony of his death and his new life. She did not become offended when he called her woman twice in the Bible. He did not say mama or mother. You see, the first time it happened was at the wedding at Canaan, John 2, where he said, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. See, Jesus was distancing himself of her earthly motherhood. He wanted her to recognize him as fulfilling his mission and not as her son, but as the Messiah and son of God for her to focus on his coming death on the cross. And later at the foot of the cross, he does it again. In John 19, he says, woman, behold thy son. Well, I don't know about you, but growing up, if I were to call my mother woman or by her first name, I'm going to get hit. I mean, I'm going to get hit. <clears throat> and some of you guys who have those ball stop spots in the back of your head, you probably got that. 
a number of times growing up. You know what I mean? So Jesus was not disrespecting his mother. He was his mother's redemptive Christ and Savior. Jesus was simply clarifying his relationship to his earthly mother, to Mary and to us. He is the glorified Christ. So Jesus did not neglect his mother. But you don't get into heaven because you're a good mother. You must come to Christ through faith. In John, in John, 20, John 19, 27, he turned around and said to John, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. He was told to take care of his mother. So while many of you are mothers, you have a mother too. So it is our job to look after our mothers. You see, the point is that Mary was her name. I suppose that calling her that uh, was earthly. But we need to understand that we do not pray to Mary. We pray to Jesus to get to God. Here's my first point. As a born-again Christian woman or mother, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He knows your name. You see, when you sanctify, revere the Lord God in your heart, you develop a profound respect for your mother. 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So let me ask you a question. What was your upbringing? Were you raised by your mother? Maybe your mother was not there and a stepmother raised you. Could it be that you were raised by your grandmother? Then there's the possibility that you were adopted and that lady became your mom. Maybe you were placed in a foster home, possibly more times than you care to count. And those ladies assumed the task of being a mother to you. In all of that, we could possibly assume that whichever situation you were in, it affected who you were and maybe who you are now. But it does not define who you are today in Jesus Christ. You can be a powerful, loving, caring mother when the Lord guides you and teaches you. So our ladies blueprint ministry, sis, those are systematic studies in becoming a godly wife, a godly mother, a godly woman. Here's my second point. Never let any past disappointments define who you are today. I don't know about you, but regardless of the history, we all should want to be able to call someone mom. We want to say mama. How about Mima, Maldir, Mama, and so on? Can I get a witness to that? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are embarrassed with some of the nicknames that you get. You name your mama, but you see, despite the shortcomings of those who before us who may have failed to be the right mother, you have the ability to turn that cycle around and be the woman mother God has called you to be. There's a possibility that you may not know your mother's name. Maybe you do know your mother's name, but your relationship with her is strained, non-existent or cordial at best. But hope is eternal. And Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. If your relationship with your mother was and is great, cherish the times that she taught you how to be a beautiful little girl and a respectable young lady and the words and advice she gave you to become an awesome mother. Here's my next point. Regardless of the past, God wants you to focus on how the Holy Spirit can bring broken hearts together. You see, as we focus on mothers today, I want to challenge you to be intentional in being a mentor to another lady. 
another young lady or a teen, to be a godly mother to your children, to be intentional in allowing another lady to become a mentor to you, to respect your mothers. So I want to camp out on a woman named Hannah. So if you would, turn your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Because we're going to talk about Hannah. Because I want to say this, I think Hannah is a beautiful picture of discipleship. And I want to show you why as we go through this study with this message. Verse 1, there was, now there was a certain man and his name was Elkanah. And then in verse 2 says, and he had two wives. That's something. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. So let's see if we can pull up some messages for mothers from Hannah. A, a mother's perspective. Sanctity. I'm going to say that Hannah was sanctified, set apart. You know, every day I, I heard my mother singing and praying. I still do. You know, and she would talk about close to thee, you know, close to thee. And, and I, I couldn't understand why my mom would sing songs like that all the time. And then I start to realize as I got older that I understood because she was dealing with the hardness of my dad, who was a preacher. But he was so strict. And then I realized that it was tough for a woman to birth 11 kids and raise them. That's tough. So from all practical purposes, we can assume Hannah was a woman with an unblemished character. Hannah was faithful in her marriage despite obvious issues and challenges that she would have to face and conquer. No doubt, Hannah was separated unto the Lord, even though she was in a marriage relationship that does not picture the nuclear family that we see today. I have no doubt that Hannah feared the Lord and she communicated with him day and night. I honestly believe that Hannah loved the Lord, but it did not exempt her from questioning why she could not have any children. So it was OK for her to ask God about being a mother. Have you ever been there when you cry out to God, asking him about why things happen in your life and in your family? Yes. You serve the Lord and you try to be the best mother that you can. But trials are still there. God allows you to go through these trials for you to prove your love for him and for your testimony to reach and impact other ladies. You see, as we venture into this story, we will not find Hannah going to her husband, complaining about the lack of not being able to have a child. It's not there in the scriptures. And if God wanted us to know that, he would have put that in there. Look at verse three. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But to Hannah, he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. You see, Hannah was special. And she was favored by her husband. Yet even though her husband favored her over the other wife and her children, she had to feel despised and rejected by God. And, you know, her husband, we will see later, he tried to pacify her. We find in Deuteronomy 28 that God had declared that people who did not observe his commandments and statutes, that curses would be upon them. Well, I'm sure that Hannah knew and other women knew who were barren. They knew about God's decree. And they felt by, that they were cursed by God. But scripture does not show that Hannah being a woman not observing God's commandments. 
So I'm here this morning to remind you that you as a mother, you are special in the eyes of God. Whether or not you've been able to birth a child, God has given you a mother's instinct, something that uh, we knucklehead men don't have. We just don't have it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, if, if, if a guy says, oh, I know what I, I know, I got it, man. No, you don't. No, you don't. You see, adoption is a beautiful option in being an awesome mother. Becoming a mentor, a mother to young girls and women can produce godly women. Being a Christian mother to males is awesome. You see, God has called each of you to walk in the light as he is in the light. First John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. See, you must be intentional in helping other women and girls. Titus 2, 3, that the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. And in verse 4, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Here's my next point four. Never allow... The lack of physical mothering hinder your power to bring about the result of spiritual mothering. Let me go into my next point. B, it's a mother's pain. We're talking about sorrow. We're about to get into some family drama. Here's where we see the type of family drama that so many mothers have to go through even today. Hannah's husband had two wives. You should know that God did not condone polygamy during that time. It was not in his perfect will. While that generally does not happen today, there are other women in a man's family that can cause a mother's pain. And you know what I'm talking about. An ex-wife, in-laws, you know, family. They can cause a lot of pain. But having two wives, I'm sure, caused a lot of competition, jealousy, unforgiveness. As a mother... Have you ever felt like you struggled to be the mother God called you to be because of unwanted interference from family, from friends and others, sometimes even your own spouse? So how can you become adversity? Let's look at verse six. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. You see, now we see Penina provoking Hannah. Can you imagine that conversation with her taunting Hannah, bragging about having children by Elkanah, and Hannah could not have any. You know what? There are times when you can be a, a mother regardless if you birthed a child. Here's my next point. There are times in the providence of God that he allows or causes trials to happen in the life of your testimony as a mother to bring him glory and honor. Job 1.21, and said, Naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He did not get angry because of the trials that he was going through. You see, as a mother, you will face hardships and trials. Don't turn your back on God, because Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Look at verse 7. And as he did so year by year, when he went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. So Hannah still provoking her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. She was really distraught. Oh, my. What, what are we going to do? Not only did Penina provoke her more than one time, she did it every year. And every time they went up to the temple, it happened. It caused Hannah to weep and not eat. 
Why would you aggravate and hurt another lady in the, in the Lord's house? It was happening in the temple. Now watch this. We men, yeah, yeah, we men, I want you men to pay attention to this. We men think that we understand you ladies. We think that we can relate to your motherhood. So let's look at some of the things that we men might say when we see you hurting. I call this leaving well enough alone. Look at verse 8. This is, this is him talking. Then said Elkanah to her husband, her husband to her, Hannah, verse 1, why weepest thou? As if he didn't know. She had no children, and his other wife was taunting her. Elkanah, you mean you don't know what your wife is going through? You don't know what's happening in your own home? Men, do you know the things that your wife struggles through, that your mother struggles through? Then he says, the next one, he says, and why eatest thou not? He had to know and understand the reason she wasn't eating. He comes right back and says, uh, and why is thy heart grieved? Now that right there is a bad thing because he's acting like he wasn't aware of her pain and why. That shows a lack of sensitivity. But then he really drops a hammer here. He says, am I not better to thee than ten sons? Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> now that, that question right there would make a woman hurt more because now he's making it all about him. He felt threatened. Don't I look good to you, baby? Or maybe he wasn't doing enough to make her happy. He is now turning her hurtness back on her. Don't, don't hurt. Don't cry, Hannah. Don't forget you have me. Whatever. <laughs> Let's watch what Hannah's response was after all of that. Verse 9. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drank, drunk. And Eli the priest sat upon the seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And here's my next point. A mother's prayer. Supplication. We're going to see a mother's response when facing adversity. And then we'll see Hannah become proactive, not reactive. She could have reacted to him and, and gone off on him, but she didn't. She was very proactive. She doesn't react to his lack of sensitivity. She did not answer his questions. Even with bitterness of soul, she prayed. That's the key word. She prayed unto the Lord, weeping her, her eyes sore. Verse 10. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid. She's crying out to the Lord. Ladies, mothers, when you are going through emotional pain, seek the Lord in prayer. Sit down, stand or get on your knees and cry out to, to God our Almighty. I'm just saying that is the way to do it. So if you recall in the Old Testament, a lady named Naomi in the book of Ruth who did not want to be called Naomi anymore because she was bitter in losing her husband and sons. It says in Ruth one twenty, and she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Myra, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. You see, I want to say to you this morning that bitterness should not share a place in a mother's heart. You see, if you look deeper into that story, you'll find that Ruth became a mentor to Naomi, her mother-in-law. Her sacrifice to not leave her was awesome. Are you willing to mentor another person in this church? And then 116 says, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. And whether lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Here's my next point. 
in your moment of bitterness and pain, cry out to the Lord of hosts to give you comfort and direction. You see, discipleship begins with prayer. Asking God for someone to mother to disciple. Here's my next one. A mother's promise. That was a beautiful song that they sang called Promise. And that's something that, that Christ did for us. So now Hannah, this is her promise, which is going to take a sacrifice. Watch what it says in 11b. And remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thy handmaid a man child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head. Here we see an unselfish woman. She is crying out to God to not only give her a child, but she specifically asked for a boy, a man child. What a request. While she could have been just as happy to have a girl and ask for a girl to enjoy motherhood of combing her hair and and dressing her up in girls clothes, teach her things about being a young lady. But she was willing to lose all that because she said, I want a man child. And not only that, she said, I want to give him back to you. Not just for a moment, but forever. She vowed that he would be a priest. A Nazarite vow is one with a shaved head in Numbers Numbers chapter 6. Mothers, are you willing to give your child to the Lord like that? Not being able to enjoy the days of bringing them up in this world? You know, actually you can by sharing the gospel with your children, by encouraging them to learn the ways of Christ, to honor him. That's how you give them to the Lord. Willing to sacrifice the joys of motherhood is a powerful testimony. Let's look at verse 12. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said to her, how long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. You know, apparently Eli, the priest, assumed that Hannah had a little bit too much to drink in the temple and perceived her as drunk. But no, that's not what it was. She was praying inwardly with her lips, not making a sound. That prayer was between she and God. I don't know about you, but I grew up in some churches where sometimes when some of the deacons would pray, they would preach a sermon. And it's like, man, why are they so loud? You know, it's like, do they have to pray like that? You know, and come to find, and I even thought I said, my dad wore hearing aids, and I said, "Well, God doesn't have hearing aids. He don't. They, they don't have to talk that loud. God can hear them. So you need to understand, you don't have to open your mouth and vocally pray to God like that. You can pray to God in your heart, and that's what Hannah was doing. She was praying to God, not making any noise. Look at verse fifteen. And Hannah answered and said, "No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit." I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. That's it right there, mothers. When you're facing hardship with your children or facing tough decisions for your future, pour out your soul to the Lord. If it's tough times with your husband, pour out your soul to the Lord. When you have needs in your family for their well-being, pour out your soul to the Lord because he's waiting to hear for you. Look at verse 16. Count now thy handmaid for a daughter of Belli, Satan, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace. 
and the God of Israel grant thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Here's my next points. Mothers, never, ever, ever be ashamed of the way you communicate with God. Verse 18, and she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat. She got her appetite back. And her countenance was no more sad. She was beginning to feel good about herself. She got the blessings from her priest. You know what? Our pastors are here today and the rest of the week to help guide you through tough decisions and your prayer requests. Don't pass us up. Talk to us because we want to know. We want to show you how God can bless you and get you tough, get you through tough times. So Hannah got her appetite back and her happiness back. And you know what? As a mother, never let the taunting of the devil's workers take away your joy or your appetite. I'm going to say it to you, because if your mama don't have her appetite, you ain't going to get no home cooking. I'm just saying. So you better take care of your mama. You better take care of your wives, because that's so important. You see, when you give your hurts and pains of motherhood to the Lord, he will fight your battles and give you comfort. Verse 19, and they rose up early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. The Bible says she got up early in the morning. Now, I better be careful because I got to stay on my thing here. But she got up early in the morning and worshiped the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. You see, God answered her prayers and blessed her. Here's my next point. A mother's pride. That's Samuel. That's her pride. What a joy of motherhood. You take pride in naming your babies. Hannah was going to be faithful to the promise she made to God. The name Samuel means name of God. God has heard. And yes, God heard her cries and and her tears. You know, at one point I I was I'm still doing it. I'm doing ancestries and I'm trying to find out who my great grandfather and great grandmother is. And and it's pointing me to a guy named Jesse Hill from North Carolina. And I thought, okay. You know, then I start looking at all his kids and I kid you not. One of his kids was Noah, the Ark Hill. And I said, is that is that a misprint? And then I checked it and by checked it. And there it was again. Noah, the Ark Hill. I said, OK, he's very creative in naming their kids. So I'm glad that Hannah didn't do that. So uh, she named him Samuel. Look at verse 20. Wherefore, it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked of the Lord, and the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. You know, I want to stop there and say something. This new birth of Samuel pictures salvation connected to discipleship. And it was back in 1994 when a young 22-year-old man lost and unsaved uh, was working at St. Luke's Hospital trying to find his way in the world. And this young man went into my wife's neuro lab and uh, because he brought patients and because of the mother instinct in my wife, she began to talk to him and she she invited him to church and, and we spent time with him. I ended up leading him to the Lord and discipled him and became a father to him because his father died when he was two years old. So while his mother still lives in the Atlanta area, he now has two mothers and Rosie Hill is his second mother. So I am pops to him and Rosie is mom. You see, that continued motherly investment that she made in him led ultimately to Kenny Morgan growing and is now the associate pastor and discipleship pastor at Midtown Baptist Temple. It started with her 
having that motherly image and saying, he needs the Lord. And I want to I work with him. Verse 22. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. Hannah got the opportunity to nurse her only son before taking him to the temple. What a joy it was to hold him. And I've seen some of the baby, babies in the, in the sanctuary where mothers are holding on to them. And wow, you know, and when they were born, m- most of us guys, we don't want to hold the baby because we think we may drop him or something like that. But wow, it's just the baby knows who the mother is. That baby can smell you. That baby knows your voice. That baby knows your heart. And that's a joy. And so Hannah wanted to be able to experience that with this baby before she turned him over to the Lord. That it was that motherly time with him. Verse 23. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So finally he got the message. Because earlier he was talking, am I better than ten sons? But he got the message this time. So Hannah weaned him, and then she took him to see the priest. See, this is another picture of discipleship where she weaned and nurtured him. He received milk and not meat. She prepared him for ministry. That is what God wants from you ladies through discipleship, to be a part of a lady's salvation or adopting someone who went through a new birth already, and you adopt them to be a mentor to them. Hannah prepared Samuel for ministry, not knowing if she would ever see him again. I can imagine her seeing Samuel from a distance serving the Lord. Such a proud mother watching her son working in the temple. You know what? You can disciple a lady and you can watch them minister in this church or when they go out and you may not ever see them again. Ask God for a new birth, salvation for someone. Ask him for someone to mother, to wean, to nurture in discipleship. Look at verse 26. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. I'm not the one that you thought was drunk. He said, For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there forever. She was willing to sacrifice not having that child. When she never could have any, but she was willing to give that child to the Lord. You see, Samuel was given into the priesthood forever by his mother. Hannah was willing to give him up. Willing to give him up despite all the trials and tribulations she went through. Samuel would become a priest and a judge. You see, at the wedding at Cana, Jesus' mother turned around and said in John 2, 5, His mother said to the servants, whatever he saith to you, do it. You know, I know what that means. When mama says do something in Jesus' name, you better do it. You need to do it because she said in Jesus' name. In other words, mothers, give godly advice. You see, we live now in a time where it's hard for a mother to raise her children in the admonition of the Lord. If you mothers, grandmothers will vow to the Lord like Hannah did, I genuinely believe that you can make a change in this generation and the generations to come. Hannah promised God that she would give her son to him forever. There's a song called Hannah's Song that's sung in churches today, found in 1 Samuel 2.2, where it says, There is none holy as the Lord, there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God, there is none holy as the Lord. 
So as I draw to close, I want to just give a challenge to, to you mothers and grandmothers. Mothers, thank you for the sacrifices that you made and will make. Thank you for putting up with so many trials and tribulations. Thank you for the love and that you gave and you continue to give. Thank you for the countless hours that you got up to rock us to sleep. As a mother, grandmother, mentor, here's my challenge. Will you trust God to lead you and guide you? Will you choose to live by faith? Will you choose to walk with God? Will you choose to become a mentor or mother to others? Will you choose to let go and let God? Will you choose to be strong? Celebrate today and thank the Lord for the blessings that he's given you. I just want to say it like this. Mama, we love you. Ina Hill, say her name. Say your mother's name. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. Amen. You know, I, I said this in the first service, and I will say it again to you. Mothers are so important to us, and, and uh, we all want to see our mothers again. Just, I wear this white one, and my wife wears this white one, because our mothers have passed. And maybe some of you are sitting here, your mothers have gone on to glory. And uh, but this interesting thing is you have to understand you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we challenge you today that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we challenge you to, to come forward when I get through finished talking and talk to somebody about having a relationship. Maybe you just want to join this church. You want to be a part of this family. You want to get disciple. Come up and tell them that you want to find out how you can be that. But I'll tell you this short story. That was this mother who was in the hospital and she was dying and she lay there in the hospital bed and a bunch of her kids were all around the bed and they were crying they were hurt they were upset because they were going to lose their mom and the mom got up and she said she just leaned up and she said goodbye see you later goodbye see you later goodbye see you later so her kids start looking at each other like, wait, wait, wait. Why did she say goodbye to you and see, see me later to this person? Well, she said goodbye to those who did not have a relationship with the Lord because she knew that. She said, see you later to those who had a relationship because she would see them in heaven. I'm challenging you. If you want to see your loved ones again, you need to have a relationship with the Lord. Own it up. Come on up forward and say, I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And we have altar workers who will be here this morning to share the gospel with you. Amen. I'm